if I was playing now in the current climate and the way football is being played, I'll be I never got sent off playing. I think I don't know. I got booked a few times, but I never ever got sent off. And I'll be on the now I look at it and I think I wouldn't even bother getting changed. Welcome to the latest episode of Wearing the Red and Green. In this week's podcast, I speak to Ian Richards. Knocker, as he was known, was a firm fan's favourite. He was a Windsor lad who supported from the terraces in the 70s and early 80s. He played in the youth team, the reserves, before going on to play over 300 times to the first team. We recount some great stories from his playing days, and we'll also discuss why one local paper dubbed him Michel Platini. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Knocker. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. How are things? All very well. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, yeah, all good. Sort of just ticking along now, enjoying sort of a, not retirement, but a semi-retirement really from what was my uh, mainstream career. I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to kick back a little bit. So I'm just uh, just enjoying myself really. And watching Junior Knocker, I hear. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, unfortunately, he's, uh, he's injured at the moment, um, which is a little bit disappointing with him. He's at Bracknell. I mean, they've got some really exciting times and games coming up. Uh, Ipswich on Monday night in the first round of the FA Cup, but he's going to miss it, sadly. He's uh, just waiting on some more conclu- cl- conclusive results from a scan that he's had, but looks like he's damaged his, uh, his ACL. He had to explain what an ACL was to me, really, because I'm sure these are a new things. So we never used to have them, I don't think. All it's you like hear now. That, um, that, that injury that David Beckham had on his foot. I can't remember what it is. Oh, it's met, it's metatarsal. Metatar- no one had ever heard of that. No one no. had ever heard of that until David Beckham breaks that bone and every, everyone suddenly has it. Yeah. And it's a very much like a similar vein with these ACLs now. It's every time you turn the telly on or pick up a paper, somebody's going through an ACL or an MCL. <laughs> it's funny actually i spoke to um mark woodsy at the weekend just like yeah. via um a text message he, he was saying because he was following bracknell's game they'd had another good win in the trophy i was explaining that adam was actually injured and he said oh what's he done i said an acl and it's exactly the same sort of vein of the conversation i've just had with you that we didn't have them, and Mark, bless him, he said, well, he said, I probably did have one, he said, but I never run quick enough to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to strain it anyway. So. Yeah, uh, totally. Now, since obviously Adam's playing at that level, when you go and watch him play, do you ever think, oh, wish I was still, I wish I was back playing? I'll be totally honest with you, Michael. If If I was playing now, in the current climate and the way football is being played, I'll be I never got sent off playing. I think, I don't know, Bob Drummond did do like a start, I think, back in the day. I think I was over three hours, around about 300 appearances that sort of play or starting and sort of subs appearances. I got booked a few times, but I never ever got sent off. And I'll be on the now I look at it and I think 
I wouldn't even bother getting changed, to be honest. Because you can't, there's no, there's just the physical side of it. And I know the game, the game has changed. It is a totally different game to me now. You can't, there's no physical, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, I just think it's like a black, it's black, it's a black and white scenario. Two different complete, uh, two different eras and two different games. I know the aim's the same, to get the ball into the net, but now how you're allowed to do that, uh, the rules have changed, and I think it's at the detriment to the detriment of the game, to be honest. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Now, I want to rewind back to the beginning, and I remember reading um, the piece you wrote for me for the book, um, and you said, like, your love for Windsor kind of began on the terraces as a school kid. Support yeah. inside. What do you remember from those days, and who was your your childhood Windsor hero? I go back because I used to go to what was Royal Free School over on the back then, on yep. um, at the back of the field, and I wasn't the greatest scholar of all times, and so I was never going to be a great academic, and it was always sort of a sport in whatever I was going to do was going to be something to do with sport. So, um. <sighs> I spent more time of my sort of last couple of years at school sitting behind trees and that up in Windsor Great Park, to be honest. And on one occasion, or a couple of occasions when um, there was some filming going on at Stag Meadow. Yeah. It was when they was filming, um, I think it was called Yesterday's Heroes. Yesterday with um, Ian, Ian McShane. That's it. And I spent, it must have been three or four days sat up there just watching the filming and thinking... Yeah, I like this. And that was sort of my, my really early sort of stages into sort of Stag Meadow and sort of got me hooked in. And then um, obviously the game, the big games with the, the floodlights, the, the, when the floodlights were introduced up yeah. there, I think it, they played Ipswich yeah. um, to commemorate that or um, yeah, commemorate that, so that game. And I always remember, I don't know, there must have been, you probably know the figures better than me. Two and a half, three thousand yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was stood behind the goal that Paul Cooper at the time, who was like a really good goalkeeper, because Ipswich sent like a real strong team. And I, what year was I? I don't know. I must have been. Uh, the game was seventy-five. Okay, then yeah. So I was twelve, and like yeah. I remember standing up behind the goal, seeing all the people on what was a quagmire of a pitch <laughs> but thinking yeah and that was sort of my earliest times or recollections of sort of stag meadow really and um easy those sort of occasions quite made it quite easy to want go go back and sort of have some more experiences there to be honest and you obviously then broke into the youth and reserve sides i played at the time, I played football then, whereas sort of Windsor FC now has got a youth section all the way through it. Yep. At the time, it was West Windsor boys, was yep. sort of the local boys team, and they ran out of up at the Cowles Field at Hanover yep. Way. And there was always people there trying to get an amalgamation between West Windsor and Windsor and Eaton. It would be really good for sort of both parties, for like the senior team to have a youth section underneath it. Yeah, obviously, in hindsight, I think that's the way most clubs go now. And that's so they can see that that's sort of a bit of a revenue stream for them as well, i.e. if it's done properly. Yeah. So I played then, and Mick Holland, who was 
secretary at Windsor at the time. He was running a boys team for West Windsor a couple of years above me. Um, so I played a couple of years up above myself as well as like playing for my own age group. And then I get a little bit, it gets a bit foggy sometimes of where I actually went from then. But I ended up playing men's football at 15 for Old Windsor yep. in, the, in the East Barks League. And that sort of gave me a really good grounding, Michael, to be honest. I mean, I had a couple of boys or men as they were at the time by the name of sort of John Fernley and John O'Brien. Right. They were sort of—I don't know if you'd know them—they were old no. winter boys, and nobody really messed with them. So I know I could—I took liberties a little bit at fifteen, <laughs> knowing that I had them two behind me. If I just went a little bit too far, and I was going to get chased around the pitch by some old season, then I'd, I'd always like they were straight in there, my first line of defence, really. <laughs> so that gave me a good grounding at fifteen, I say playing men's football, and then I think. Well, no, I know then that Mickey Hill, who used to play for Windsor, he then took over or started up a youth team. Yep. And we had a really good youth team at that. I know there was a picture that you put on last week, I think, about <coughs> a team that went to, Yeah, but we'd actually, the team before that, I don't know, it was the year before that or two years before that, we'd actually had the same draw. We got QPR and that was the, uh, the first game that the plastic pitch was laid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we played, we had a good like a good team in that. I think we got beat five or six nil in the end. But my I, I, sort of overriding memory is that was when the goal, like goalkeepers, as he could like, they could sort of bounce it a few times and then take his drop kick. And I've never seen a football bounce so high <laughs> off of that plastic pitch. It was just like playing on a car park. And that must have been like, you think like today teams can play, or even over the last 10 15 years teams can play on grass pitches and then you think okay there's a sports center that might have a plastic pitch but at that point that yeah they'd never even been seen at they no and that if that at the time that was the way it was going to like mm. go forward obviously i mean it didn't stay obviously the quality of it just wasn't up to yeah. the standard of football that they were going to play on it but you do like again back in those days when you, you were allowed to tackle so again, some like brain cells are missing somewhere because you're going in, flying into sliding tackles and, all, and leaving sort of half your skin on the surface <laughs> and the biggest grass buds or astroturf burns. It was, uh, they got quite messy at time. So that was in, the, say, the youth team. Um, we went on tour to Holland. That was eventful. We, uh, we had some good stories coming out. We'd done quite well, actually. It was quite a good standard of... Um, Football, we had sort of a Liverpool youth team were there, oh. uh, some good Dutch teams. And we actually shared the bus with the Liverpool youth team that we went over with. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not being sort of stereotype or typecasting here, but on the way back, I think it was like Zebruger or somewhere like there's a big gift shop. Right. That you could go and everybody was going in. So we've all, and all these sort of scouts boys, they've jumped on the bus and They've got one eyebrow missing and everything where they've been up to sort of the usual jinx, shaving each other's eyebrows off. So we've all gone into this gift shop, jumped back on the bus, just about to get back on the ferry and the shop owners or the shop owners come over with the, um, they had police with him and everybody, <laughs> we're all like the Windsor boys. We're like, yeah, what's the matter? No problem. And all of a sudden he said, he's got half of his stocks missing. 
<laughs> no, and I was like the the Liverpool boys. They, they just emptied all their holders. You've never seen like cuckoo clocks, like every, every sort of thing. It's totally useless <laughs> and no good to them whatsoever. But it was that was a, a memory that sort of sticks really. It's quite funny. Um, so yeah, that was the youth team, and then following on from that, um, I think. I went then and played for Phil Darren, started up a reserve side. Yeah. The Times with Jeff Chappell was first team manager. And again, in the reserve, I think I must have only been about 16, 17. And now then I'd gone across to Spittle Old Boys as well, playing men's football on a Saturday. Yeah. Because the reserves were playing um, midweek, so I could manage the two. Again, yeah. Spittle Old Boys, that was a, another good, good side, round. Side. They were a good side, some good players. A fella called Alfie Clark, centre-off, who was sort of ex-Slough. He took me under his wing a little bit and we had a good season there. Um, got to the final with the Slough Town Cup. Unfortunately, we didn't win that. And then the following year from that, I was still men's football and playing reserves with Phil. I, uh, we went, I went across to Eaton Wick. Yep. And we did have a good side there with big Jim Artridge, bless him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a very good side. And so we won the, the Slough Town Cup then, won the league, won most, well, yeah, we, everything we sort of went in for. We, we had a very good side, a mixture of Windsor boys and sort of Slough boys. Uh, again, a good grounding for sort of what, what's, what was about to follow, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then following that, I say still then within in the reserves with Phil. Um, and I think then Windsor couldn't afford a reserve team at, at that stage. Right. So that disbanded, although I think we'd run, come runners up in the Middlesex Border League with some good. So I think Gary Woodcraft, Peter Skerritt, uh, Brian Breen, bless him, he's uh, no longer with us, but yeah. a good player, Brian. Another one who went too early. Um, Simon Delahunty, I think Della oh, yeah, was in there. Yeah. What a good player he was! Honestly, he's the only player I've ever played with. He made look like Glenord who had long trout, long shorts on. <laughs> he had a, a real good player. So no teeth at all, but that was a, in them days. That was a sign of the, the centre forward. Really, you could tell all the forwards had no teeth, and all yeah, the defenders yeah, yeah. had, had the broken noses. That was uh, you could quite tell who played where. And the goalkeepers at the time, then they were they didn't have any teeth either because they just come <laughs> flying out, diving at people's feet and whatever. Um, so yeah, and then I think it was the following year when Robbo and Sweets started up a reserve team at the time that John Clements and Geese yeah, yeah. gave the first team. Yeah, and there was a so, some photos that I've seen that you've put on up. Uh, banded about with um it's a black and white one with but they had the first team and the reserves at the time all in yeah. together yeah when it just looked through some of those players that i've just mentioned in there so um robbo and all that lot but then then you look like peter scary dave Lansley, sort of local boys all mixing in with what was sort of the first team boys that had gone out as well and you think yeah there was some good good players in there um so I ended up playing for Robbo and Sweets. I'd left Eaton Wick. John Clements had actually rung me 
on the back of going back to Mickey Hill, who was a youth thing. So they were quite friendly. They played at May, Ned and Windsor and that together. Yeah. So I think Mick had said to John, he said, oh, we've got Ian, your knocker as it is, he's, uh, he's worth, worth having a look at. So he invited me to come down with the reserves with Robbo and Sweet. And we had a game on a Tuesday night. And I don't know if John was there, but Keith Collins, who was John's assistant, came to watch. And this is a very sort of similar story to one that Stuart Pearce tells in the game that he was playing in. And um, someone was watching him playing. I don't know whether he was at Wealdstone then, but it's, a, it's very similar to that because Keith was standing and I just come across like attack again when you could tackle. And the boy that I tackled along with the ball ended up with him sort of over the railings. And that was, uh, that was, for some strange reason, that's what sort of set him aside. And he went back to John and said, well, he said, he's he's got what we want sort of thing. We needed a little bit of, uh, not steel, but just a little bit of uh, something different just to mix it up, really. So I think that was the beginning of 86, 87. Yeah. And um, when it was John sort of, was just sort of bedding in, really. He'd got a lot of uh, local players in along along with other players who are still to this day not too sure where he got them from. I'm not too sure what the budget was, but some of the players that he managed to get and the quality of players, um, the likes of, I don't know if you remember him, there's a boy called Steve Parsons. Yeah. And he, like, he was ex-pro from Orient. And I think he'd finished in the programme because he broke his leg. Right. But I, on one leg, he's still probably one of the most skillful yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly that I've ever played with or sort of even seen on a football pitch, to be honest. I mean, he was a London boy from Ladbrook Grove and he was a bit of, he was into all sorts sort of thing, but <laughs> he was, what a hell of a footballer. So he was there and then uh, he's, John was John and Keith were trying to mix it up with the likes. Uh, John McDay, do you remember JJ from yeah. Slough? Yeah. He was a centre-half at the time. Um, Richard North from Maidenhead. And then one of them got injured, and again, my sort of memory goes a little bit. I don't, I'm not too sure when my first game was against St Albans or Slough, which one I got called yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, St Albans because I always remember the headlines that come out in the paper on the Observer on the Friday. It was Ian or Knockers No Saint. And that was because we were right. Playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what had happened, something had kicked off, and we'd gone in for a challenge with their centre forward. Woodsy was then back playing, actually, because he's, I always remember him. This centre forward's come into me, they've gone in for a tackle. He didn't get up. And then one of his mates has come flying in. And I thought, well, what do I do? So, I've, first thing I've gone to do, I just sort of not lashed out, but sort of looked at, and then, and then there's two of them on the floor. And Woodsy's just come over to me, said, go down. I said, what do you want about? He said, go down injured, go down injured. I said, why? He said, just go down injured. He said, oh, you're going to get sent off. Because the referee at this time, he hadn't sort of seen anything. So he's consulting with his linesman. Two St Albans boys sort of laying on the floor. So I've gone down, sort of looking over my shoulder, and then on the, I'll say, Woodsy, who's captain his instruction, and then all of a sudden, the referees come over and I'm expecting, oh, this is good. On my debut or second game, I'm getting sent off. And he sent the St Albans boy off. 
what the linesman had seen, I don't know. And I often think if it had have gone round the other way, what would have happened then sort of in the following years? But that was my introduction, really. It was a real feisty game anyway. And it was a bit of a sort of baptism of fire, really. But And I think that Slough game was then next, right? Because that was early, wasn't it, I think? Yes, yeah. And uh, because I'd done all right, actually, in St Albans game, they kept me in. Um, and I think that all, I mean, Windsor Slough, it was always the same. When I don't know, I don't know where Windsor Slough didn't think. It was just the way it was perceived. We always were seen as sort of the poorer neighbours, or sort of inferior, if you like. Not by, so I don't think not by any of the Slough boys, but that was just the way it came across with the stadium that they had at Wexham Park. And that just seemed to be a sort of, they had the sort of the bigger names, if you like. But then Mark Davis, do you remember Shaky, who yeah. was at Windsor? And I think this is, that's the game that he came back. Right. And something went on. And again, and they're right back. I'm not too sure it was at the time. All of a sudden, something's gone off and their right back's laying on the floor with Claret coming out of his nose. Shaky's there, so he's just, something's gone off and he, he's giving him a dig, basically. So he got sent off. But that was my first game in Slough and I never forget. I, I, again, I had a, quite a decent game and it was against Dodsey. Rowan Dodsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have a, we had a really good sort of battle, which was up for it and someone made a comment the other day oh yeah the worst thing you could ever do was kick Rowan but that's what he needed to get him sort of going right. but uh, yeah we didn't there was no kicks there was no sort of love loss between us but that was my uh, introduction into the Windsor Slough rivalry really I was going to say like, I was going to ask that like you know as a local lad in particular what that game those games meant to you because and we always got the up we seem to always get the upper hand in a lot of those games like we had a really good record yeah game. yeah it's, it was strange Michael because I said just sort of going back over what I said with uh, everything that they had you'd expect them to win if you're playing them 10 times, you'd expect them to win eight or nine times out of the 10, yeah. to be honest, if it was on paper. But there was just something, I don't know whether we G'd ourselves up, whether they sort of, I don't know, they didn't relax on it because they was as competitive. They had some good, strong players. It, we just seemed to have a, not a, psycholo a psychological edge, maybe. And just going back to that first game, there must have been two, two and a half thousand people in there watching it. And it was on a Tuesday night. And again, this is not long after I'd come over for Meet and Wick. And um, I always remember, and I can, I can still hear it now, actually. Again, another challenge sort of thing. And all I could hear was come booming out. I said, why don't you fuck off back to the Wick, Richards? And that was... Well, whether that came from a Slough supporter or a Windsor supporter, I'd like to think it came from a Slough supporter and not a Windsor supporter. It will have been. But... Yeah, it could have been, uh, but they, yeah, just early memories, really. And then Ernie Rowland, you remember Ernie? Steve's yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, linesman's biggest Oh, no. yeah. And any opposition player as well, but the every linesman must have hated it <laughs> because he was non-stop. And it was like quite interesting just to listen to him sometimes. <laughs> Some of the things he came out with. 
because I knew I grew up around the corner from Steve and Ernie right. and Sue, bless them. Yeah. So there was always sort of had a chat with them afterwards and what have you. Like it was nice because they sort of seemed sort of growing up, really. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he, he yeah. was relentless, Ernie. Unbelievable. <laughs> Now you mentioned like earlier, like John Clements, he he built up a, a an incredible squad over yeah. those few years. Yeah, um, we won a couple of Barks and Barks, the FA Trophy run. What were some of your big memories of that period under under John, and like how good was that side? Uh, it, it, to win the Barks and Bucks in them days, when it was sort of the Barks and Bucks Cup, and there were some good sides, local sides. And I remember, I think it was in the first year that we won it, we actually played a Reading under-23 side in it in one of the earlier rounds. We played at the Old Elm Park. Yeah. And we ended up, I think it was 2-1 or 3-1, I don't know, your records would pull. I don't know whether it's in the book, actually, for that season. Yeah. But we actually won it. And then you had teams like, like Wickham, Maidenhead, Slough, some real good yeah, sides yeah, yeah. at the time. Wokingham were a good side. As you say, and they all put out, um, like they, like Wickham would have been what conference, but yeah. they, they put out their first team. Like yeah. they, they genuinely wanted to win the competition, as you say. And at the time, I think because it was the Barks and Bucks or your county cup was something worth winning. Yeah. They had a little bit of prestige with it. Yeah. Again, we don't like now the sort of the Barks and Bucks and what I can see, a lot of the competitions are watered down, really. It doesn't carry the same. Totally. Um, prestige, as it were. Yeah. yeah. So to win to win that first one under John, yeah, against Wokingham, who we were a good side. side. I think we got off to a really good start and then we were probably hanging on a little bit at the end. But that, that ended up in the sort of big celebrations and a party, which was, was nice. Because it's sort of, from sort of county cup-wise, I think, that was the first win that we'd or Windsor had had for Years. quite a while. Yeah. I know they'd won a lot of other stuff, sort of leagues and uh, yeah. as far as county cut, that one had sort of yeah, eluded them a little bit. Um, but we had a I think Cape Town. Yeah, he did. That was his first season. Yeah. And yeah. on his day, again, but I mean we were talking about injuries and what have you to sort of add them, but until he got injured, he was something else. Cape Town, yeah, I think yeah. just his pace, and that's a funny story actually because we were training as much as I was sort of new into the the first team um, sort of setup as well. I always I, I can see him coming walking down through the gates. It was on a Thursday night. We just finished training. It was on a horrible night. We weren't allowed to train on the pitch because the pitch was being well, <laughs> you couldn't train on the pitch. Yeah. And I, just, I was walking out and this boy was come walking through the gate and he had a pair of boots around his neck and he kept speaking with a, a funny accent sort of thing. Oh, like, I, I won't try and sort of imitate his. But he said, oh, he's like Windsor and he said, what sort of standard is I've been told to come down? And he had, his, honestly, his boots around his neck. He said, well, how do I get in? How do I get involved? And I said, well, training's finished now. I said, it's a game Saturday. Come down and sort of introduce to John. So nobody knew him. Yeah, but then yeah, when you yeah. listen to what standard of football he'd been playing in South Africa, he'd been playing in front of sort of 90,000 people, playing off that they play for different states and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as he came yeah. and 
yeah, they gave gave him a run out, and that was it. He never looked back. I mean, he didn't do. It was a bit old school, hey, Mickey. Uh, yeah, Mickey Brown, and he he just go. It just everything was sort of straight lines, but he yeah. didn't mess about with any of his fishing. Fit uh, fishing, finishing. It was just one touch bang. There was no, never any. He didn't over elaborate on anything. It was just so matter of fact. And I thought he was a cracking player. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. And, but it wasn't just Mickey, was it? As you say, like John managed to pick up various gems out. Dave Regis, Dave Regis, Dave Selvin Barnett, Campbell, Selvin Campbell. Yeah. Again, Steve Parsons. Yeah, that was the times that we like be driving. Like when we used to go to places like Walthamstow Avenue, Leighton Wingate, <laughs> and all around the London things. We yeah. we spent half our time coming back because we invariably we'd sort of have a coach to those games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the times that we spent driving around London to drop them all off, it <laughs> took us forever to get home back to the club because they all know well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. They all say. Drop us at this service station. Yeah. But Dave Barnett, he was, yeah, very good Um, footballer. Dave Regis, he was just a beast, basically. He was was chiselled, wasn't he? Unbelievable. Totally. So it's no surprises that they went on to play uh, higher levels. Kevin, obviously, Mr. Mr. Wins and Eaton in goal. Um, Derek, well, Mary. Walters, yeah, left back. Yeah. Stuart Mitchell, right back. And for that season, I say, sort of once I got in, I didn't, I don't think I really got left out for that first year at centre half. And then, um, yeah, the, who did we have in midfield? If we had, well, yeah, like the Steve Parsonses and uh, Steve Cordry. Yeah. Yeah, good footballer. Been about a bit. He's sort of all done the sort of the West London clubs, but then when he comes, as I say, John just had a knack of getting these players that were just all really good footballers. Of course, that following year we had the FA that FA Trophy run, beating Enfield. Yes. Yeah, there again. The, the memory goes a little bit cloud, but I think did we go there? Well, I think we beat them at their place, didn't we? No, it was at Windsor, but we had Hyde in the round after. I remember the Hyde one. But so where am I getting? Because we had a couple of games that might have been the year before then, where we'd actually played Barnet a couple of times. We had a really yeah. good side. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. was actually, we Barnet earlier in that. Was it 87, 88? Yeah, it was, it was, it was. Because they had a really good, they had like a really good side. I remember sort of their Edwin Steen and yeah, uh, some of their, those sort of players. So it was uh, but good there. But again, going to Underhill and grounds like that. And it was because Barry Fry was the manager, obviously. And Stan Flashman was their chairman. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the, the stories about Stan Flashman when they wouldn't let Michael Broadley, who was the chairman at the time, they wouldn't let him into the boardroom because he didn't have any idea on him, apparently. Right. When we Have you not heard this story? No, not heard this. We, yeah, we, so we're playing them. No, we lost. I think we drew with them at our place and then went back up and we lost at Underhill. So Michael, broadly the chairman at the time, he's gone up to the boardroom to get in. 
And they said, no, sorry, if you've got no idea, you can't come in. So he was like quite put out of it as he would be. And um, then it all, as it transpired, Stan Flashman, who was like known for being all sorts, by way of an apology, he got, he got him two tickets to Phantom of the Opera. That was his way of saying sorry that he couldn't come into the boardroom for the game. Oh dear, I love it. So, Nocker, earlier on you mentioned Hyde United, FA Trophy. Yeah. We touched upon it briefly. Um, talk me through that one, because obviously you had the heartache in that of the tuning up at Stag Meadow um, and obviously losing in the replay. But, yeah, what were your memories about that? Because I know there's a lot of stories around, around that game. Memories were, to be honest, and all of the games that sort of stood out, I think the first half of that game is probably one of the most memorable in how well we actually played as a side. Right. I'd like coming from the Northern, I think, were they Northern Premier? Northern Premier. Like at the time. Yeah. And they was a good side. They had some good players. And um, we really did, like, put them under the cosh. And I think we were 2-0 up by half time. I yeah. Mickey, Mickey Barnes got a goal and it might have been Woods who got the other one, I think. I know Barnsley definitely got one because he was on the end of one of my free kicks that I actually put in. So uh, <laughs> that one sticks in the memory a little bit. And then I can't really remind her. So 2 0 up at half time, I think we were and quite comfortable. And even into the second half, and then the referee just gave, he just Dodgy gave. Penalty, right? Yeah. Just, and it was if at the time you think, well, is he trying to make a game of it or. But good because that was it. There was no other reason. Nobody could sort of fathom why he'd sort of given the pen. And that, they yeah, they scored from uh, the resulting penalty. And then they got it. But I think it was quite late on in the game as well when they got it back to two all. So we was a little bit deflated. Then when we found out we had to go up to sort of North Manchester on a, a Tuesday night and then to find out they played on a, another <laughs> plastic infamous plastic pitch. And I think that was round. That must have been because we were quite far into the competition then. I think that was. Um, it was third or fourth round. Third or fourth round. So it was sort of winter time. But of course, then we found out we've all got no boots that are going to allow us to play on this plastic pitch. So we've all gone in. So you might remember it being a Windsor boy, Woodward and Stall, the sport. Yeah, up in King Edward Court. Yeah. So with, this is Saturday afternoon, evening. So it's dawned on. Well, we've got no footwear to go and play. So Michael Broadley, bless him. I don't know how much it cost him. Everybody's piled into Woodward and Stalder. What's well, supposed to have gone into like a pair of boots, which is going to like AstroTurf boots that they were at the time. I think some people took them, probably came away with every piece of sporting equipment that they probably could. And it all got billed to, to Mr. Broadley, bless him. But, um, so anyway, yeah, we went up there on the Tuesday. I think we got the coach up there on the Tuesday morning possibly or did we stay up there I'll get you yeah but anyway with a uh, little bit a bit of time on our hands to kill so we'd gone into I think it was like um, a health spa before the game right, right. of course being sort of lads away for the day sort of thing, well what we're going to do now I always remember now me Frilly and Tuffy Darren Tuff who was sort of a yeah, good player Darren a really nice fella we, what do we do? So we jump, we know, we know what we do. We go and jump in their hot tub and spa. 
and everything. So we we, we must have spent obviously like a couple of hours in there, which is not the ideal preparation for sort of a game of football. In and the freezing cold in winter. Freezing cold on a rock hard pitch, and it come out and it just sort of legs were just like jelly, to be honest. And it, I remember it now, though, like there was sleet and snow coming down. It wasn't nice. And yeah, we, we did lose that game, unfortunately. But it was a bit of an experience. And, um, yeah, just sadly, well, we, did, we should have really put it to bed on the Saturday for how well we played. It was a missed opportunity. So I think then if we'd have won that, we would have then drawn Barnet in what would have been sort of the fifth round, I think. Yeah, I think it would have been the last 16 or maybe yeah, the last indeed, eight. Which time. is probably the furthest that... A wins and eating side have actually yeah. got in that high high of the level of trophy, to be honest. So yeah, that was the Hyde United experience. It shows though, doesn't it? Just the fine line. You know, you say yeah. tune it up and it just shows a fine line. And then for a penalty just to be given, I can't even remember what the what I mean, he's not going to explain himself anyway, but nobody could work out what the penalty was for. Now, what year was your Michelle Platini moment? Oh, that was getting on. I would imagine that would be... Because obviously when Mickey Barnes came from Maidenhead, I had sort of options to make, really, because he was just something else, Mick. And I knew yeah, yeah, yeah. if he was coming as a centre-half, then I had, I had decisions to make, whether I wanted to stay, fight for my place, um, and get in... And, some other way of sort of getting us keeping involved. And I got pushed forward. I think it's when Alf came and he was he wanted to mix things up about Alf had his own set way of playing. Yeah. Obviously Mick and Mark were going to be sort of the, the go-to centre-half part, and it should, which was fine. I had no qualms at all sort of playing understudy to either mm. of those if I had to be called upon. But Alf just saw something in me that I just sat in front of those two cleared up things and he, he had this very sort of direct, not route one, but he had a style of where he wanted people to be, i.e. Frilly or Jerry Williams out on the other side. Yeah. With sort of me just in front of um, Mark and Mickey, as I say, and either Chalky or Terry Merriman with me in the middle of midfield. Yeah. Um, and all he said, all he'd say to me, go and break things up, keep them away from the boys at the back and once you've got the ball if it's on look to put it in the hole behind where Frilly's full back and it, it was quite um, uncanny really the amount of times and you can remember because Frilly had this thing of all the time once he knew that not me all the time but other players once I had the ball he had this way of bringing the defender in with him first and then spinning and going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, the, at the amount of times it happened, it was just so effective. And that was all I had to do, really. Not like a, not all I had to do, sort of not do myself down a little bit, but go and win the ball, either then give it to Chalky or Terry or put it in and get... Alf had this saying, he said, "What we, how we're going to play it, he said, no team likes defending when they're running back towards their own goal. So just yeah. keep putting the ball in behind them, keep them going, and then keep pushed up the pitch as far as possible and don't let them out. It's just sort of strangle, strangulation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's how I sort of made it as then as a 
I like to see a little bit trendsettery, really, because that was before the sort of the defensive <laughs> midfield players came in. So, uh, but talk to us about Platini. Talk to us about your headline of Platini. Well, as it goes, we were playing at Basingstoke, which was yeah. the old Camrose ground, yeah. which was a lovely stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going back, I just, I could strike a ball well enough, like a dead ball. I took quite a lot of sort of corners and dead balls. Like Mickey Barnes was on the end of them quite a few times, Evo. And we're playing at Beaconsfield and... All my goals, I think I scored 18 all in all in the thing, yeah, but they yeah. all seem to come in pairs. So right. we're going free kick, I don't know, must have been about 30 yards out just to the eight, one of the sides of the goal. Nobody else really, it was again another horrible night. Nobody really fancied it. So I thought nothing else was on. I thought I'm just going to have a pop. And it didn't. It flew into the top left hand corner. Unbelievable. And then Ten minutes later, exactly the same scenario, but from the other side of the pitch. And I've done exactly the same, but it's gone in the other corner. So I think we ended up winning the game. And then, obviously, with Basingstoke being in Hampshire and Frilly coming from over that way, he picked up a local paper on the Thursday or Friday after the game. And on the back page, obviously, they followed Basingstoke Farnborough and it come... Uh, Michelle Platini is alive and kicking, but although he's masquerading as Windsor and Eaton's number four, Ian Richards. And that is a... Frilly's obviously brought it down to the club. And you, you can imagine the amount of, sort of piss-taking and everything else that, that sort of followed that. But that, And that's just... That's the story behind the, the Michelle Platini, I really. I love it. Now you mentioned Alf. What did yeah. Alf bring? To, what did Alf bring to the side? Like when he took over as manager. Like what made him? Everyone always puts him in the highest regard. Like what's you made Alf special? I just think he was a man's man at the end of the day, and it's just the respect that he commanded. Not everybody, a hundred percent, exactly what I was just saying there. The way we played and everything. Else. Some of the sort of the purists that came and. Mm were part of the wings that didn't always sort of get his philosophy. But once he got it across to certainly the likes of like myself, I, was, I know you've spoken to Mark, Barnsley, Mitch and everything there, they just commanded respect. And whether that's obviously because he'd gone through the game, he'd, worked, he'd built himself up to like be um, quite high up with the FA coaching scheme. Yeah. Um, it's just everything it, Everything we'd done or everything we worked on was done for a reason. Nothing yeah. was done just so we had to sort of fill some time up. Everything was like on training and when, on the times that we could train on the pitch. It was all, everything was done at a set way. This is how and that's how we wanted the matches and that's how we wanted us to play when it came to games. So it, everything had a purpose. Yeah. And he just, he just had such an easy way of getting it across to you. He yeah, didn't, overcom yeah, yeah. didn't overcomplicate anything. But then you knew, as I say, he just, I just, he just commanded respect because I, I mean, we weren't workmanlike because we did have like some good footballers. But I think knowing, I mean, we could all 
nobody would ever um, bully us or we'd, we would never be intimidated by anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that sort of came from him as well because you knew he was on he was on your side. They tell you if you were if you weren't performing. Um, there's time when I don't know who it was. I think it was Kath Osgood. Old, um, if you remember, Kath who used to yeah, do yeah. Yeah. Or it might have been Flo who used to come in with the kettle and the tea yeah. and the plate of sandwiches. And I still say something hadn't gone right one night and the, the teapot's gone all over the plate of sandwiches. There was egg and cress over everywhere. He just drop kicked the whole lot, just lost it because something hadn't gone to the way that it, something that's simple that he thought hadn't been adhered to or a plan hadn't been followed. And yeah. that was it. But then as soon as he'd lost it, then he was back under control again. He, yeah, he just hold him in just high, such high regard, really. And to be honest, I guess as a player, that's what you want, right? You, you yeah. know, you, you want to be, if you stand as a drop, you want the bollock in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then you, you know he's got your back. Yeah. And you did. He was, he, as I say, he's sort of a man's man. That's not being derogatory or old mm. school of any, but he he just commanded respect. For me, personally, I know that sort of goes for a hell of a lot of other players that yeah, played yeah, for yeah, him yeah. as well. Okay, during this period, one story I loved in the book was the tour to Guernsey and Jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, with sort of, I think it was Alf's influence and Major Dobson's influence as well. It didn't matter how we were playing on the pitch. We did look a million dollars. but We all had the blazers, the club ties. Yeah. We were, it was, it was, again, a, I think that was another bit of an extension of Alf's military. Yeah. Uh, we did, we sort of all looked the part. So anyway, we've, uh, where did we go to? I think we flew from Heathrow and we went to Jersey first and we were playing like a Jersey representative yeah. side. Played them and we beat them and then we was out on the Saturday night. And then the next day we were supposed to go by, oh no, we were supposed to fly to Guernsey to play the Guernsey team. Now, either way, one of them, I'm not sure, I think it might be the Jersey ones, they got quite a big influence with the Letitia family. Wait, was it Guernsey? That'd be Guernsey. Uh, Guernsey. Guernsey, yeah. So we'd flown there, or we were supposed to fly to Guernsey for the next day, bearing in mind that we'd all had, we'd had quite a good day the day before, and an evening to follow. And it transpires then that we've all get to the airport and it's too windy to fly to Guernsey from Jersey. So the only way that we can get there is to go on a hydrofoil on a boat. Now thinking about it, if it's not if it's too rough to fly, it's going to be too rough to go on a boat, isn't it? So anyway, we'll get on this catamaran type thing which comes up on its foils. We must have been, and I'm, I'm not great. I'm not being funny. I'm, I get seasick in the bath. Me, I'm, I'm not a no. I'm not a sailor. So. Um, we all said we got on this boat and you could tell what it was going to be like what should have been i don't know hour and a half two hour crossing turned into about four hours because it had to drop down on it was too rough for it to be up on its hydrofoils so basically we were just bobbing around like a cork in the middle of the sea what is between sort of jersey and guernsey and the thing that gets to me and this is like woodsy again who's mr immaculate everybody 
is just being ill on the boat. Chalky was just hyperventilating on the back of the boat. Boat, about the stewardesses, like there were two or three of them around him. He was stripped down, laying down in his underpants on the back of the boat. Just like it's just overheating, basically. And Woodsy was sat towards the front of the boat, pat, uh, where the passengers, like where, where the passengers sat. But he's sitting next door to some guy from, as we found out, Rationale Kitchens. Yeah. Him and his secretary were going over to do some business. Woodsy, Mr. Immaculate, why everybody else is dying on the boat, he's striking up a deal for these two to come in and sponsor, or what's the possibilities of sponsoring Windsor? And that's how all the sort of the, the snazzy tracksuits that followed with and rationale sponsoring the uh, the shirts as well. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah. Well, while everybody else were losing their heads, as it were, so literally, Woods is still there, Mr. Immaculate, Mr. Windsor and Eaton, and uh, got the deal done, as it were. Now, that following season was, we had that, uh, the FA Cup run, Murphy, Tidville and yeah. Woking. Yeah, and obviously you got the you got the the goal away at Murpha. Yeah, that was one of my shortest yardage. I think that must have been from about two yards on the near post. <laughs> That's my shortest distance. The rest of my goals, most of them were from outside the box. To be honest, as I say, most of them came in pairs. But um, the Murpha Tidville one, yeah, I pushed up, and I don't know if we'd worked on it on training. Probably not, because we didn't. I say we didn't. We very rarely at that time of year. What sort of probably what was that? Was that first round or fourth qualifying round? That was fourth qualifying. Yeah, so you're looking at November yeah. time anyway. So there's no way we'd have been training on the pitch. So <laughs> we couldn't have really worked on it anywhere. Um, maybe on a, a board or something. So I just made the run for the near post. I don't it might have been, I don't know who took it, might have been Derek Walters took the corner and I just threw a boot at it really, and it flew into the top of the net. I don't know whether were you there at that game? Yeah, yeah and I've, I've a natural goal scorer's instinct, isn't it? <laughs> Not, but just run into the crowd really, and I don't think I think our um, lead was very short lived because I think about a yeah, minute they, or so and they went up after. and equalised. Yeah, uh, I think over the two games we were well worthy of uh, coming away with the result. To be honest. Oh, totally. And then, obviously, then the game against Woking and all the fog. Yeah. Yes. What could have been, eh? It's, um, uh, and I think that sums up sort of my time at Windsor. It was just very, very nearly, but never quite. For what reason that? I don't know. I was going to ask so, you, Alan, what do you think that reason was? Was it just one or two players short? Didn't Because I always thought we had a really... And I said this on other po- podcasts, but... I always felt we got had a really strong start on eleven. Yeah, in that period, we just probably a couple of injuries didn't yeah. have strength to come in. Not quite the strength, and I think sometimes you can't. I mean, we all look at things through sort of rose tinted glasses, don't we? Really, we were where we are, and we were what mm. we were at the end of the day. Perhaps we were. Perhaps that was our to never quite we get us over. We seem to beat the teams at the top. And then we yeah. like maybe just drop some silly points against your bottom or staying at the bottom. Or, 
I don't think we ever took anything for granted, to be honest. We never went out and think, oh, yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah. good, because we didn't have this, those sort of players that yeah. that could take it easy, to be honest. It was it was all or nothing, really. It was a, a lot of effort and a lot of endeavour. That's just the way it goes, isn't it, sometimes? I'd yeah. say it worked, it worked for us in the County Cups against good sides, but and then against... I mean, we beat again, we beat some good sides in the trophy runs and the FA Cup runs to sort of get to where we did. Obviously, beating Merth, who I think, but they were, what were they? Were they, were they, were they conference? conference. Yeah. Because that was at the time, it was wondering, I know Tommy Hutchinson played, but also Bob Latchford was also a few games for him as well. I don't, he didn't play in that game, I don't think. Kerry Williams did, who was the old, he he played. Um, Yeah, then the Woking game, that has still got to go. It's still, I mean, there's the video that Woking, sort of the Cardinals, they, they got something yeah. really similar. And they put the video on there of uh, when the fog descended. And we were, we, there was no doubt about it. We were more than a match for them on that day. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm, so we, if we played them again, sort of four or five times, then it might be different. But we just, but they were funny woking. We had, they was a little bit like Slough. I think sometimes, from what I recall, the games that we played again, there was never, as much as they could go out and they sort of win in the league and doing really well, they had all this, they always had, well, we seemed to have a little bit of a sign over them as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. We'd beaten the year before. Yeah. Um, but, it was yeah, and then the fog came down uh, again. Uh, you see it now, and the bit that gets me, and uh, whether we had the video to go back on or not, was um, Alan Dobson, Major Dobson, coming out, and I think because he was all up with the FA, wouldn't he? And honestly, you couldn't see it, it. It was the right decision. There's no doubt that it shouldn't have been called off. You, you, I'd be struggling for, like to see for ten yeah, yeah. yards, and he's come on, and he's gone to the referee. Who was the referee? Was it um, um, Vic Callow? I think Vic Callow. That's it. And because I, I was stood like not too far away, and I could hear the, like the major saying, "It's playable, it's playable." There's no, <laughs> no, it wasn't playable. But he was trying, <laughs> he was trying to use his little bit of, if uh, he was trying to, yes, swing a little bit of um, his FA powers to, but it didn't work, unfortunately. Alf left later that season. How disappointing was that for you when Alf moved on? I think it was more of a shock, really. And then you think... Definitely where... shocked supporters. Yeah. First off, we didn't really understand the reasons why. Is that when he went to take up a, his job with the... FA? No, it was just Michael Broadley. Well, that was a decision that was made. Yeah. And you think, well, yeah, it just left a real strange feeling around the club. Because he, as I say, he was he, people just held him up in such high regard, and for him not to be there, I mean, at any time a manager goes, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because you're not too sure what's mm. going to happen, who's going to come in, whether you're going to be part of whoever does come in. But yeah, obviously they had their, he had his reasons to do it, but no, it, it was a bit of a bit of a tough one to take, to be honest, for me personally. And that following season ended up being your last season. And obviously, yeah. the year we went down. How difficult was, was that season? And 
Was that it for football for you after that season? It was really. I mean, I, there was a few personal issues and sort of my wife's mum wasn't well. I was sort of struggling with a hip yeah. injury, which I couldn't really shake off. And I knew I wasn't sort of doing myself and the team justice, really. Obviously, uh, at that time, I've got a young family as well. Um, so it's priorities, isn't it, really? I know I never played. I never played football for money. Yeah, as much as it helped, obviously at the time when money was tight, it helped and helped pay the mortgage. To Mm. be honest, but that was never the overriding factor of me playing football. That was just a bonus, to be honest. But then when it comes to the point, the sort of injuries and everything else, taking time off, sort of missing work, and you have to sort of take that decision. As I say, there's a few personal issues as well with. Wife, um, mum's, my wife's mum. So it's just a lots of different things made up that sort of final decision. When you look back at your time at Windsor, what do you think made the club so special? Lots of people, I know you've asked people the same question, and lots of people have come back with the same answer. But for me, obviously, being a local boy and then being able to interact and sort of communicate and understand what the fans and what the, the committee, um, all the hard work that used to go on just to run a club at that level and what it took. And I just admired their um, dedication, really, mm. just to, be, to go out and so good lads can go out and play football. Four wins were in Eton, but all the work that went on behind it, I'll say with um, like the two chairmen, Lucky enough, Bill and Michael, um, from them down to their sort of their committee members. You mentioned earlier, it was like when I was working out the road, I was a BT engineer. Yeah. And it was always, I spent nearly, well, every day I would imagine, I went in and had a cup of tea with Chris Thatcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, bless him. He was, he'd come in, he always had the kettle on, teapot. Yeah. I'd go in, that was my tea break. And funnily enough, I mentioned the floodlights or Ipswich. They even had me climbing up the pylons because I had the BT belt, changing light bulbs in the floodlights. <laughs> so I've seen certain views of Stag Meadow that other players have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Lunn, he was, it was just everything, like from the physios that we had, some sort of funny stories with Alan Humphreys, who John Clements brought in at first. And he was like a lovely fella, John. I'm not too sure what um, qualifications he had as a medic or a physio, but he was a farmer. Right. So you can imagine with when he comes running towards you, if you, nobody stayed down long, sort of feigning injuries or anything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. With him, and then following on from that, Eric Russell, bless him. Oh God, Eric. When Eric came bucket. running on with a bucket, that made you get up and run away quite quickly, to be honest. Um, obviously, they got a little bit more professional then with Anne and Janet. They were yeah. lovely girls, and they they were just all part of. Uh, as I say, not family because that's sort of overegging it a bit, but a real tight knit group of people. Yeah, all brought under the banner of sort of Windsor and Eaton Football Club. And it, to be honest, then it goes. I've mentioned Ernie, Ernie Rowland's characters, all the all those all the supporters. You boys now, like yourself, Dorse, Carl, um, Mounties, and all that lot, lads who, when I was playing, were, I don't know, 13, 14, maybe younger. And to see 
them all sort of, you all grow up. It's just, there's just something there which, um, yeah, tugs at the old sentiments, to be honest. At the yeah, time, yeah. you don't, at the time, you don't appreciate it. Yes, yeah, 100%. 100%. It's only then, um, oh, I don't go down Windsor. Occasionally, if there's a game and I'll go and watch um, if there's something on or, but I don't, I'm not sort of an avid follower now. But I don't know whether that's because you think, oh, you sort of reminisce a little bit and you realise mm-hmm. it's not the same. But, and it's just, it was just the people going back to your original question and yeah. sort of local hometown football club and with, with all those different characters that sort of that involved. Right, now, five five or six questions I'm going to throw at you. Quick fire. Best defender you played with? This sort of crosses across two people, really. Um, without a doubt, the person I sort of held in the highest regard, and he was captain as well, uh, was Woodsy, obviously. But then Mickey Barnes, who had like, just all that at the attributes of just an outstanding centre half. And I think it was only due to injury that he had to drop out of the professional game anyway. But like for the size of him, six foot five, he was a good footballer, brilliant in the air. I don't he never lost it. He's not the new sort of that size. Mm. But sometimes they say that like the big men don't jump, but it, he did. I mean, when you saw him when he go when he actually attacked the ball, there was only ever going to be one winner. Um but Woodsy just had everything really. He was sort of calm, as we mentioned in earlier stories, like on just composure, didn't panic. Um, you just sort of trusted him, really. Uh, if I probably if he'd have had a bit of a better right foot and maybe a yard more of pace, then there's no <laughs> doubt he would have played at a higher level. Yeah. As much as I've got all sort of good memories of him, there's also where he's not quite held up in such high esteem. We were playing... Um, oh, tell me Af- more. Tell me more. Oh, yeah, there's more. We're playing um, Gray's Athletic, who were a big, strong, uncomp- uncompromising yeah. side. They, as much as sort of, we never got um, sort of bullied by anybody, they were a big, strong side as well. Yeah, they were and, always um, tough. They were yeah. always tough. Yeah, we had some bad... They were, and they were sort of in, our, in the leagues that we played in for all that time, really. So we come across and they knew us, we knew them. Uh, that Teddy Sheringham's brother, Noel Sheringham playing. He was a yeah. footballer. He didn't take any prisoners. But they had a boy playing up front called Richard Cherry. Yeah. Good, yeah, good centre. He was sort of old school. He could, he could give it and he could take it. But anyway, he was down at Stag Meadow. Again, midweek game under lights. Another horrible. Every time we saw, well, every game I've mentioned now, I thought the weather's been horrible and everything. <laughs> but it wasn't the best. And... Um, he had for that night, he'd sort of spent most of the time with Mark, sort of marking him, and he obviously wasn't getting much change out of him. Um, so he's come across to me, balls come up, all of a sudden I've got up, and then bang, Sparko. I didn't know what that obviously like, I've gone in, I think it, it, I was out for like 20 seconds. And I've come round, and he's looked down at me, he said, Oh, mate, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, That was meant for your mate, like the other centre half. <laughs> I said, really? And I've come out, I've got, in the end, it's worked out, I had like fractured cheekbone. My eye eye was just like something out of the old cartoon characters when it it just come up straight away. (laughs) 
And I'll, I'll say, yeah, right, cheers. Thanks. He said, I, no, he said, it was meant for your mate. He said, not you. He said, it's just the way, oh, oh yeah. it didn't make me feel any better. But, <laughs> so with my eyes shut and not the most handsome devil at the end, but that didn't sort of do anything to enhance my good looks, <laughs> I can assure you. And then even afterwards, sort of walked in the bar and the, it was just totally closed up. I didn't know then that it was sort of fractured, but I, I did manage, I did, well, I forgot to say, I did carry on the game. There was still another 20, 25 minutes left. I okay. carried on, but and I got in the bar afterwards and he's come over afterwards, sort of Richard Cherry said, look again, he said, I'm really sorry. You know, and he was not a bit out of character, but he, he definitely meant to do somebody. And it was just the fact that I was on the end of the wrong time, unfortunately. That was so where was where was Woodsy in all this? Oh well, yeah, well, Woodsy, of course, he's looking after his good looks, isn't he? He, was, uh, <laughs> he was, always was very pretty, and there was no way that that was gonna. I think he did have his nose done once, Mark, actually, but that was another story. But no, yeah, so I took one for took one for him then, definitely. Uh, toughest striker you played against? Going back to my early, like the first season, I wouldn't say I played against him. All I saw was. Well, I thought I was in control of the ball. I was only about five yards away from it. All of a sudden, this shirt come running past me with a guy in it. And by the time I'd blinked, he was about 20 yards past me. And that was Les Ferdinand in his early days yeah. with Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ian Dowie, when he was at uh, yeah. St Albans. No, they yeah. were all a little bit younger. Um I'll tell you who else was, and I don't know if you remember, we played Colchester United in a, I think that was a trophy game. Yeah. And they had, their player manager at the time was a guy called Roy McDonough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had the reputation at the time. I think he had the worst disciplinary record yeah, in yeah, yeah, the right. FA. Yeah. There's something like 20-odd red cards. And he was known, he was a hard, back in the days when, like, Hard men were sort of hard men, and he, he had this reputation. And we played them at start. I think we lost one nil. Right. Yeah, we did. After, after the game, he came in, and I don't know what was I must have been there. I don't know, 26, 27. And he sort of made a beeline for me and come over and said, "Well played, son." He said, "He said you might have lost." He said, "But you've given me one of the hardest games." He said that I've had. So that sort of stuff. And I'll tell you at the time, Graham Pohl was refereed that game as well. Yes. Was, uh, professional referee. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was coming, he was somewhere else. Because I don't know how he'd done it, but it, he knew every player's, whether he knew their first name or nickname. And just that, just through one game. So that Roy McDonough sticks out because I say he was a yeah, tough good guy. Player. Good um, Cliff Hercules from Aylesbury. Centre yeah. forward, number nine. He didn't mess yeah. about with. But the one I probably had the best battles with, and on a more regular basis, was Kevin Davis, Dabba Davis from Marlow. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. A, he was a copper, I think, at the time. But he was hard as But you always know, fair as you like, but you knew that either one of you was in for a... Yeah, There yeah, was no, yeah. no quarter given, basically. Love that. Love that. So, yeah, any one of those. As a, what was the question? The hardest one I played against? The toughest, yeah, toughest. Roy McDonough, probably. Final question, your favourite manager you played under? Probably know the answer, but... I, I've got a lot of time for John. 
for what obviously gave me my, sort of my break, really, got me in. He also fitted me carpets for me in the first house, which was a bonus, so I've got to be careful. He kind of done all that for me, which was good. Um, I often think it was a shame, really, that as much as Alf followed John and then John followed Alf and Alf followed John again, I thought it would always be interesting for them to work together, mm. for Alf to work maybe with the calibre of players that John could yeah. have got. Yeah, it's a really fair point. So, really point. but yeah, my favourite, mate, because I've got just so much respect for him, but it would be Alf Corton all day long, to be honest. Love it. But just interesting to see if those two could have worked together. It's a good question. Very good question. Knocker, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, as no, always. Um, great stories there. And to everyone who's uh, listened once again, thank you very much. And we'll be back soon with our, with our next guest. If I can just interrupt you for one second, Mark. I know offline we said it, but again, massive credit for you should be very, very proud of yourself, what you've done with this oh, book, for the charity, and also for getting us all together on, like, for the book launch. Back in the sort of the interview, you asked me, or what the but firstly, to see players that I used to go and watch as a kid, like Bob King, Ross McCulloch, yeah. uh, Gary Edwards, and to see them at the book launch, but then boys that I'd played with and probably hadn't seen a few of them for 25 years, really, um, to bring us all together. And I think, again, what made it us special as a group, that as much as it was 25 years that we'd seen them, it only seemed as if it was, like, we yeah. hadn't seen each other for a pre-season, yeah. since the end of a season to another. And that, I think that's a mark of how close we were as a group, really. Very much so. Very much so. so. We've got you to thank for sort of bringing that all back together again, to be honest. So, uh, anytime, as I say, hopefully it's just the first of, you know, several and many um, get togethers that we can all now do. Because as you say, it was just one big group down there. At, it was a family, yeah. really. Um, you know, and it's just great to have everyone back in touch. 